<laughs> hey, hey, thanks for pressing play once again, and welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John. I am one of your hosts. I'm joined, as per usual, by my co-host, Matthew Lissy. Oh, look at that. Did you get the hey. Invisalign out? Is that what that was? Well, not yet. Actually, two Damn. more weeks. Two We're more so... weeks. It's out right before the season starts, right before our post-game pod, the famous Jam session post game pod begins again. I'll yes. have them out. So I I can't Excited. wait. I know the jamsters can't wait because uh, I'm sure yeah. everyone who's listening live is like I feel like Matthew's had a lisp for a little bit. <laughs> it might stick, man. I don't know if I had one before either, so I have no idea. You didn't. You oh, I definitely didn't no. You definitely right. didn't have a lisp. So how do you like my background? Looks good. It's yeah. a different hotel room every time, right? It you is. Have a living room there. It's what it kind of, yeah, you got a nice little place to sit over there where I can sit and watch wow. the TV right here. So All your friends uh, come over? Yeah, me, myself, and I. It's lonely on the road, man. <laughs> lonely on the road. I'm uh, I'm in Reno, Nevada. Nevada. Reno, nice little city. Uh, it is the biggest little city. That's the, the moniker for Reno. And I got to admit, it's got a small town feel and a big town feel. Mountains around here, yeah. nice weather. Stepped off the plane yesterday. I was like, you know what? I could do this. This is enjoyable. And then they handed really? me the keys to my rental car. And I was like, oh, a minivan. That's cool. <laughs> you got a minivan. A fucking minivan. Oh, my God. My flight was delayed like three and a half hours coming out of Phoenix. So by the time I got up here, they're like, oh, that's all we got left, man. I'm like, all right. I'm rocking right, a white minivan dude. driving around Reno. I'm sure you look cool. You should take a picture next to it, too. Okay. Just to I just want, I want some proof. I want some proof of that, man. Yeah, I, I'm not going to ask anybody to take a picture of me standing outside a white minivan. They're like, dude, are you going to ask me to get in? Is there candy in there? Get away from me, <laughs> creep. Tinted windows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. So, uh, but again, welcome to everybody to the another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. It's exciting because we're only a couple episodes away from training camp beginning, and there's going to be preseason games. And soon you will see a lot more of us, more than just our Wednesday podcast. Uh, if you happen to be listening to the Suns Jam, session wherever you get your podcast please subscribe if you're on apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review we'll read it right here on the pod if you're watching along live hit that thumbs up button hit that subscribe button let everybody know where to get fantastic phoenix suns content uh, you can follow the show at suns jam on twitter you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter at matthew lissy and this is going to be a fun show. We're actually going to be jamming with Coach Evan B. Some of you might have may yeah. follow him on Twitter. Uh, he does the He's on Fire podcast, does a lot of different Arizona sports-related stuff. So we're excited to finally have him on the show to discuss some Suns and maybe some Cardinals talk uh, while he's with us. Uh, but until then, Matthew, are you going to have a beer? I do have one. Oh, no, it's a water. <laughs> oh. I went into the lobby and I bought one Budweiser. Oh, that looks tasty. Specifically for the show. That looks so, tasty, man. Jamstes, if you're with us and you want to crack open a beer, do so with me now. Unless you're driving to work tomorrow. And uh, let's get this bad boy started, huh? All right, we are excited to bring on to the show for the first time ever, Coach Evan B. Coach, welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast, my friend. 
Thank you so much, guys. It is awesome to be here. Uh, I've loved your guys' show for I don't even know how many years at this point, but I love it. I'm glad to be on. Let's rock and roll, man. Heck yeah, well, yeah. we've been on for like five years, right, John? So That's what it feels like sometimes, <laughs> considering we like do every time. post-game show. As you know, Coach, because I know that you did that with the Valley Podcast last season. It's tough going live after every game, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. So cheers on you guys. And I won't be doing that this year. Maybe a couple big games, but you know, the random Tuesday night showdown against Detroit. I probably will skip that one this year, but oh. yeah, props on you guys. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's fun. It's fun to do. But yeah, I mean, those those Tuesday Detroit games, you're just like, okay, let's talk about the pick and roll <laughs> offense. Why did the Suns give up a big lead? Um, yep. and you know, why do they lose watch. that game? Why do they yeah. lose that game? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but as we welcome you, uh, you know, I know that you've started something recently, the he's on fire podcast. Why don't you tell the jamsters about what exactly that is and what your role is there? Yeah, absolutely. Creator of He's on Fire podcast, yeah. me, my host, Jay Joyce, my other co-host, Amit. Uh, we're just trying to bring to you all Phoenix sports encompassing fun stuff. You know, I'm trying not to get too serious with it. You know, when we lose the NBA finals, I probably would have gone absolutely crazy but we're just trying to create a really fun channel where we can talk all things arizona state sports right now and that's not too fun unfortunately john i'm gonna have you on sometime we'll talk some fun arizona cardinal stuff try to keep it light as much as we can but also give you you know kind of the real details and the real questions as to why things aren't going the way they should or why they are as well too so i'm having a lot of fun with it you can catch us on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, anchor all that fun stuff. And yeah, come and join, subscribe, help me out. Well, I'm I'm actually a huge Cardinals fan now, right? I mean, I've kind of given up on the Cowboys. No, you're they, not. They, they <laughs> I can talk some Cardinals. He <laughs> can talk some Cardinals. I watched like 10 minutes of the last game, so I, I have all the inside. But um, Jeez. right now is like the perfect time to get this thing going because a lot of the teams now in the Valley are doing great. ASU, of course, last week, really just a letdown. <sighs> but um, I just I turned the game off in the fourth quarter when they, they went off sides three times in a row, and then they just stood there for it. fourth down or what third down. It was just... It was murder. I was like, this game's over. They're not going to win. I mean, so 16 penalties, four turnovers, five or six blunder plays where they just didn't even communicate, and they were still right there. I mean, yeah. the, the, yeah. the score said 10 points, but we were only really lost by three because they scored at the end. We were right there. So Well, and also, if you look at it at the beginning as well, so I was sitting in the Vegas airport last Saturday getting ready to fly home to Phoenix, and I had the game on my phone, and then I get on a Southwest flight, and they have like – connect to the Wi-Fi, you can watch live TV. So I watched the game the whole flight home. But what killed me was the like the first play of the game, they fumble and, yep. and let BYU score right away. So you take that away, you take the you know the, the the sandwich, if you will, the pieces of bread that BYU used to score, and it would have been a victory for them. Unfortunately, the same night, you have U of A losing to NAU. So NAU is technically the Kings of Arizona right now. And I'm sure my stepdaughter Ashley's loving that, although she doesn't give a shit about football. She but does not care. She does not give two football. shits. I think she went to one game and left like as soon as it started. As soon as kickoff hit, she's like, yeah. I heard her friends sounds, are out of there. Sounds like hey, Ashley. Bravo, bravo to the Lumberjacks, man. You know, give it up for them at least once every 75 years, right? <laughs> yes. So it's, been, it's been since like 1932. <laughs> the team that yep. their names on their back are the NAU logo. That's how you know you you're like a small time school. It's like, listen, we're not going to take the time to stitch your name on the back of this jersey. We don't have the money. We're we're gonna we're gonna need it next year because yeah, we don't have the money for this, you know. But let's let's talk Suns for a little bit. You know, uh, obviously it was a long, fantastic, glorious season for the Suns that ended in heartbreak. That 
I think recently just hit me. You know, I was really positive right afterwards on the podcast about, you know, how great it felt to just be in those situations, to feel those feelings once again. It's been so long. And I think the other day I was like, fuck, man, we lost four in a row. We had a shot. But that being said, you know, it being such a long season and now training camps getting ready to start. Preseason is going to be starting here. What is it like 13 days? Isn't it something like that is when the first uh, ne- a week from Sunday is the very first one. God, that's so awesome. But what uh, which offseason or I mean, do you think that the offseason being as short as it was <clears throat> much akin to like the heat? Do you think that's going to have a big effect on this team? Do you think that fatigue is going to be a factor for the Suns as we enter the new season? You know, I don't know if fatigue itself will be. I think, you know, the tiredness and all that stuff, that will obviously wear off as the offseason continues to go. But when we talk about fatigue, I think about the mental fatigue. And I know one of your one of your questions w- was to me, and this is kind of leaning into it, was, you know, the strengths and weaknesses. To me, man, I think it's all going to be mental for that team. You know, what's it going to be like when every team is headhunting them this year? We didn't do that last year at all. They're going to be headhunting us. How are we going to be able to, to respond? How are we going to be able to get the, the Charlotte Hornets best punch, knowing that the Western Conference champions are coming into their town, right? How are we going to be able to play off of that? I, I also expect Chris Paul to rest a little bit more than he did last year. Last year, we were trying to get into a rhythm, see what's what, how the lineups are going to work, all that stuff. And by the end of the year, we got it. This year, we know what to expect, right? So we have the experience, but we don't have experience getting headhunted. I 100% trust Monty with everything. And I think every Suns fan should. Whatever decision that man makes, we need to live with it, good or bad, because most of the time it's going to be good. So if he chooses to sit people out, are these other guys going to be able to come in and step up? I think the depth that we added is absolutely going to be a strength, but it's going to be mental. Can they go through 82 games, not 72? Can they do 82 games this year, get a home playoff berth for the first round and continue to do that? Or is there going to be a little bit of a letdown at the beginning of the season? And are we going to have to scratch and claw a little bit? So to me, man, it's all mental. What do you guys think? For me personally, I think this team is built to be ready to respond to what they, the kind of a little bit of a letdown. John brought it up earlier. And yes, every day I think about us losing four games in a row and does suck a little bit. I hate to bring it up again and again, this pod, but (laughs) seriously, like this team is just built for it next year. You have, it's just Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker is ready for this. Chris Paul is ready for this. You mentioned him just if he can get some rest, it'd be nice. But I love the mentality of him. You know, he's going to go into next season knowing that, you know, I'm not going to take another day off. He just doesn't want to. I don't know if that helps him or hurts him. Mm-hmm. We always worry about that, but I feel like we can just trust them. And I was in another question too is out of all these players, who do you think is going to improve the most? And like, who do you think like uh, Cameron Johnson or Mikhail Bridges, who do you think out of like the whole group will improve the most? And who think, do you think there might be a disappointment in one of our players? Because right now I just, I think this team is ready for next year. I think a lot of them are going to improve. I don't see a disappointment in them. Even last year, if you think about last year, it's like, I don't even know who I was disappointed in really, but do you have one? Disappointment. Um, I think because of the expectations that everybody has for this guy and the high 2K rating, all this stuff, I would want to say Mikhail Bridges 
just because I think people are putting high expectations on him. And you even saw stuff. Oh, if he learned this move, he could be the next Kevin Durant. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay. Let's yeah. slow our roll a lo- little bit on that one. So disappointment. I don't think he's going to be a disappointment this year. I think he's going to be almost the exact same player as he has been with a little bit of growth. But I think disappointment just in terms of where everybody else is placing him. That's very well um, said. Um, as far as 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 far as coming up, dude, Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson. All right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but my, my question, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say he's ready for it. Go ahead. I, I agree. My question to you guys is: Do you guys think that we are going to have a lot of growth going into next year? I mean, we were done. What was it? July, whatever it was that the, mm-hmm. that the season ended. You know, everybody took a break. You know, you saw Da go home and do his thing. You saw a couple workout videos. How much growth are we actually going to legitimately be able to see from the Phoenix Suns individual players going into next season? How much can you grow in this shortened off season? What do you guys think? Well, precise, and that's why I kind of asked my first initial question to you, Evan, is because I think that that's going to be one thing that we as Suns fans really need to temper our expectations around. Because in a normal offseason, even if the Suns went to the finals in a normal offseason, they would have had more time off. But because of the way that COVID affected last season, this season going or last season coming into this season, it's still sandwiched. In a normal offseason, you expect a certain amount of growth. There's about three, three and a half months for those guys to, one, get their rest, and two, begin their offseason workout regimens. You know, Mikhail working out with, uh, I forget who Mikhail was working out th- with this offseason, but those normal da- Damian Lillard. Yeah, just, just right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. So in a normal season, they come in. These guys, you know, you have Booker's coming to year seven, which is that's you, you're hitting your prime. That's when Steph Curry started hitting his prime was year seven. You got D.A. and Mikhail coming in in year four. You got Cam Johnson coming in year three. And you would expect and we are all on that same mental timeline of, OK, we're going to see a lot of growth with these guys. We're going to see more utilization of DeAndre and down on the block and maybe trying out some more post moves. We're going to see Cam Johnson taking it to the rim more and probably getting some more minutes as this team either A, uh, faces injuries or B, is trying to uh, manage their minutes effectively. But I think with this sandwiched offseason of only a couple months, there is a finite amount of growth that we need to be prepared to face. So we we are going to be uh, and this isn't me saying all oh, the Suns are just going to be average coming into the next season. No, you should see growth from every player on this team, even Chris Paul. There's going to be more growth again. His is always the cerebral mental game. But every other player given the their status in the NBA, given their tenure in the NBA, you will see growth. I just don't think it's going to be as as explosive and noticeable as we as we think. And that's why, you know, as you commented about Mikael Bridges, I thought that's a fantastic point. Everybody thinks that Mikael Bridges is going to come out here as they're talking about contract extensions, 23 to $27 million potentially, if that does occur. And they're going to expect somebody who's, who earns 23 to $27 million in our head. We have a specific expectation of what a 23 to $27 million player does. Mikhail Bridges is kind of an oddity. He's more of a defensive stalwart. He's somebody who is a true three and D guy. Uh, if those threes are coming from the corners, not necessarily from the top of the key, right? He's somebody, he's somebody who is developing a mid range game, but yet doesn't have the confidence. And everyone thinks coming to the season, Oh, well, he's just going to, you know, if, if he's going to get paid or if he wants to get paid, he's just going to automatically, you know, pour in, 
18 to 23 points a night with a couple steals with nine to seven re or seven to nine rebounds, you know? So those metrics not, might not necessarily be there. What we as Suns fans really need to do is watch what happens on the court because the most important thing above all else is the chemistry. And that's where this team's going to excel is from a chemistry yes. level, not necessarily from a metric level. Do you agree, Matthew? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was just looking at something funny in the chat, but I, I was just <laughs> thinking it's nasty. I just, uh, Okay, so it's weird you brought up Devin Booker year seven. Like, I actually had to just look that up. I'm like, wait, is it really year seven? Yeah, that was year, year seven, six. bro. Year seven sounds so old, but he's still so young. But, I mean, this offseason is short. But I think who when training camp starts, the guy that I'm looking at that's really going to benefit from it all is DeAndre Aiden. I think yeah. he – because he has everything there. He has the moves, all that. He just has to work with the offense, get – together with Chris Paul, with Booker, or with that first team, and just know where to be offensively, he'll benefit the most yeah. from training camp, I think. And that's – I don't even really care what he did in the offseason. You know, it was a short offseason. All these guys, I think they're ready. They're all worth the money. And I think that they're all going to bring it next year. They're all going to improve. And usually, I always say, like, it's three years. You'll know what a player is. And we knew what Booker was in year three. It's just about developing after that, continuing to improve. All these guys are ready for that, man. And in this training camp, it's going to be so exciting because these guys actually have some time. They have like those weeks together and we get to the reports of how they're doing and like who's improving, who's yeah, who's working well within the offense, all of that. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think we're going to be very, very not. I don't think we're going to be surprised. I think we're going to be actually very excited to hear good news coming out of training camp because I think these guys are ready to play after losing the championship. They're going to be just. They're going to respond well. I really will be. So. Ex we'll be excited. But if Mikael Bridges goes out there and has a, a one of those nights, which he has often, where it's like five points mm -hmm. and two rebounds, and defensively you didn't feel like he made a, a big impact. Like people are going to be trashing him because our expectations are really high coming into this season. That's one thing, even going to the last season, like we had some expectations for this team and that's where Deandre Ayton had a lot of us frustrated at moments because we had such yeah. high expectations for him. That's going to continue into this season because now you're like, well, we saw you in the playoffs. If he's not consistently doing that, people are going to get frustrated because our expectations are so high. And that's why I'll, uh, you know, I, I'll say it again. And you'll probably hear me say this at nauseum throughout this season. We should be focusing on their chemistry, not the metrics. DeAndre is going to fumble the ball a little bit. And it's going to piss us off. He's going to do layups instead of instead of jamming the ball down, and it's going to piss us off. But at the end of the day, if we're winning games and the chemistry is there, that's our greatest strength. Because when you look at the rest of the West, you look at the Lakers, who are a team that is built from the 2012 Team USA uh, roster. They're just trying to you know steal a championship. They lack chemistry. The Clippers, they're down Kawhi. The the uh, Nuggets, they're down Jamal Murray. The Jazz have chemistry like the Suns do. The yeah. uh, the Golden State Warriors, they're a team that has potential for chemistry. They have some chemistry, but they have a lot of new pieces since Klay Thompson has been absent. So there's a lot of different factors there. And the one thing that we have that trumps everybody, maybe outside of Utah, is that chemistry. So that's what we need to be focused on moving into this year. I yeah, couldn't I agree more. Yeah, and honestly, just really quick, that's what we have. But honestly, that's what we can rely on is that chemistry mm -hmm. is because it's all going to tie together. And I know like everyone's going to have an off night, but we already know. I think we're used to the to the point of, you know, DA just laying the ball and all that throughout the playoffs. We didn't give a shit anymore. Right. Nope. Even the, nope. even the Valley Oop, he just kind of gently laid it in. So we're <laughs> used to it. We're over. I feel like we're over that as a group. We're just, we're let's hope past so. That. Let's hope and so. I, I, 
yeah, we're going to have bad games, but it's just like last year. It's like, who can we trust? What's going on? Like, who who can we look at for a guy that can lead? And we have two guys now, and that's what Devin Booker really improved on last year, and especially in the playoffs, is being a leader, a silent leader. You didn't see a whole lot of him getting up in the rest face or players' face, fighting people in the tunnels. He wasn't doing that anymore. He's changed in a way to where him and Chris Paul are just probably the best two leaders on one team going into next year. They grow up so fast. Well, one one thing that head. that Evan brought up uh, is Monty Williams, and I think that's another thing that we're really going to have to moni- monitor because, you know, Evan, you said in Monty we trust, and for the most part, I think that's a very true statement. We've we've learned that as as Suns fans, but still in the back of my mind are like Elia Kobo minutes, and I'll never forgive him for really <laughs> just just being in love with Elia Kobo. And, us, you know, he's out there experimenting with him when we need to win games. And I think that one of the most vital things, because as you mentioned, Matthew, like Chris Paul is not going to not want to play. There is no load management for Chris Paul. What we need to have is Monty Williams effectively managing his minutes as well as the other minutes of members of the team who might have to fa- face any fatigue problems, manage those minutes effectively. And again, that's where the depth that James Jones has provided for Monty Williams is going to be key. Because there is no Elliot Kobo on this team, is there, Evan? There's Alfred Payton. <laughs> he ain't like, Elliot Kobo. <laughs> uh, he ain't Elliot Kobo. I mean, yeah. I loved when Flex was on your guys' show and he put out, what do you say, he was going to have four or five games where he's going to score 30-plus points or something yeah. and he's going to lead us to victories. I mean, I can't wait to see a time where we'll have books sit out or, or maybe Landry Shamit, and then we're going to have Elliot Kobo. Co- Elia co- see, look what you got me going. I know. I'm you- sorry. You, you have Alfred Payton and you have campaign on one side and so much speed. I mean, those are the two fastest guys in the league outside of Ish Smith, maybe, you know, so the depth is there. We have a lot of tools in our back pocket that we can pull out and we are one of the best offensive and defensive teams. And to even one up your chemistry point, I go a step further and I say we have organic chemistry, yes. which is a lot different. These are guys that truly truly like and care about each other i mean when devin booker and Aiton were when chris paul was out when they were going through the tunnel after they beat the was it the clippers in game one and he had covid and they're you know on the phone with him and they're showing him to the fans i mean how many times do you see things like that anytime throughout sports see that kind of organic team chemistry especially all the things that we heard with chris paul getting on deandre Aiton, and Aiton couldn't stand chris paul to begin with and then evolving into what we became that is the ultimate x factor and then you add in the 0.5 offense which is very hard to uh, stifle and then you add in the fact that we actually play defense up and down the court every single possession those things those intangibles make us the winning team so uh, going back to our original point improving going into the season it matters i don't know if it matters as much as some people would think and now we have rim protection coming in too with in the form of sticks and JaVale McGee. Yeah. We yeah. we added speed, we added defense, uh, we added shooting in Landry Shamit. And yeah, to your point, I mean, the last team, you know, thinking just kind of in sports in general, and it, I guess it comes back to basketball, the last team that I remember having such organic chemistry was those Golden State Warrior teams, especially pre-Kevin Durant, the team that won the championship there. Yes. I mean, they just loved playing with each other. And Steph Curry's, the, you know, that kind of player who loves to play and people love to play with him. And it's it's unreplicable and unquantifiable. Uh, well, I guess you can quantify it with the total payroll that the Suns have, but it's a valid point. Don't you think so, Matthew? 
Yeah, it is. And I love that you brought up that how real they are. And it's it's something you don't see in the NBA really anymore. A lot of it is fake. A lot of it's forced. You know, force is LeBron James being the way he is. I mean, he grew up basically in a sitcom. The camera's on him every every second. He's just he's he's used to that. So it has to be fake. Everything's fake. A lot of these players like Kawhi Leonard, they're about themselves. Of course, they want to win, but themselves first, which it should be. But you just can see how, like you said, organically this team did mold together. And it it took a lot. And you brought up DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul and how much DeAndre Ayton probably didn't like Chris Paul because he was getting on him. And the rest of the team probably was too. And Amonti, they had their shouting matches. But it just shows that the work they put in together, which a lot of teams don't do anymore. And like Devin Booker could have left Phoenix. They stayed here. They put in the work. And in the end, it almost won them a championship. I just think that it's a new way. I mean, the Warriors did it before. But the Suns now have like the young guys, they have the older guy, and they have the leaders. They have everything a team is now looking at to succeed. And the Suns now, even Zach Lowe, I think I heard today on the Bill Simmons podcast, is picking them as one of his favorite teams in the West to come out, which I, that's probably bad because he's not usually good at hitting on these, true. On these teams. So, Shit. but a lot, of, a lot of this is like a lot of the league is looking at the Suns now, what they're doing, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Well, so we're talking all these great things. Obviously, our expectations are high. We are very confident in what this team provides, how the roster is constructed, the coaching that's in place, just everything all around the Phoenix Suns team. Evan, I'll ask you this. What's the biggest threat to the Suns in the West? What should we we be worried about this season? Themselves. I 100% – I don't know if I expect them to have the best record in the West. I expect them to be the best team in the West just because of what we saw. And that's their own expectations as well, right? And we've seen that. They showed it. So, of course, we're going to have that. But, again, can they come out and play – being the head uh, head hunted, excuse me. You know, Mm -hmm. can they come out the grind knowing that they were that close – and come back again and want to go through the whole season again, right? Can they do that? Can they do it in front of crowds the whole time? I think it's themselves, and they're going to be battling themselves. And I never want to bring up injuries, but obviously injuries was a real thing to Chris Paul last year in the finals, and Mm -hmm. things happen in an 82-game season. That's why you've got depth going on with what we have. So can an Alfred Payton come in? game 32 and play six or seven straight games and then sit on the bench and then come back in game 48 and provide the same type of boost that we expect them to. I think it's going to be themselves, but that's where Monty comes in. You guys, Monty's got to be the one, the, the new Zen master. He's got to be the new Zen master coming in, pressing the right buttons at the right time and scheming everything correctly because the way he called games it was very, very impressive leading up to game three of the NBA finals. Everything that he did going into every game, I was shocked and amazed. You know, he didn't make a lot of switches and change ups in games until the second half or even fourth quarter of a lot of games during the season. No, dude, they changed that in the second quarter. They changed that in the first time out when things didn't happen. So a lot of it's going to be placed on Monty to get their heads right. And I think he can. But to me, that's the biggest thing. No, I think it's a valid point. And, you know, I like Jason in the chat says uh, it comes down to Scott Foster. Yeah, it always does come down to Scott Foster, doesn't it? Jesus, man. Just let it let it go. Can we just not see that guy? Yeah. (laughs) Matthew, what do you think? Biggest threat to the Suns. Scott Foster. What's up? Sorry. What's the biggest biggest threat to the Suns in the West? (laughs) I just said, what's up? What's going on? No, no, I like that. I think the Lakers are, mm-hmm. but I love that you picked the Suns themselves. 
because it could happen. It could be way more difficult than they thought. You know, if whatever they want is on the other side of hard, all that nonsense. And it's sure. true. And this is going to be mm-hmm. even more difficult than last year, but they are so prepared for it. And that's what's going to be so fun to watch is how they evolve into the next step. But definitely, I think it's the Lakers. A lot of someone pointed out the Utah Jazz. The only team I think that the only two teams, the Clippers and Lakers, again, if they were to win the championship, I wouldn't be surprised. So I usually go by that. If if a team wins the championship, be like, oh, wow, that came out of nowhere. That's like a Utah team. I'm not I'm not buying into that. But just the two LA teams, again, I'm going to this year, just like, eh, I'm kind of nervous to play them at full strength. So, Coach, you live in Utah, right? Correct. I live so, literally eight minutes from the arena. So what's it like being a Suns fan in Utah? It was great last year. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Ask me about the nine years prior, right? Yeah. What was that like? Oh, <laughs> uh, that was. I mean, we were just the joke of the whole league, right? We should have. We were yeah. the NBDL team that shouldn't be in the NBA, and all of my jazz friends are clowning on me left and right. Hey, you want to come over? We're gonna have a party. Cool. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're watching the Jazz and Clippers in the playoffs. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can kind of imagine. But, you know, nobody believed in the Suns last year until, you know, I kind of turned their heads and told them as to why. And once they started paying attention, they were like, yeah, because we play a brand of basketball that just makes things happen. We just happen to get stops. We just happen to get deflections and things went our way, right? So now it's, I hate you guys. That's what it's like now. Now now they hate us. But, you know, pointing to some things in the chat about the Jazz, I still think that their brand of basketball is fraudulent. You put a little bit of body on them, you go five out like you saw the Clippers do, and you take out Rudy Gobert, and it's over. Yeah, they're That's good in regular season. Them. They're good in the regular season. In the playoffs consistently, they've shown time and time again, and, and Portland's the same way. They're a good regular season team that doesn't know how to play defense, so come playoff time, they just get exposed and it's over. And it's the same thing with the Jazz. You know, as you mentioned, the five out, making Rudy actually defend away from the, the rim. And all of a sudden, they're a very one-dimensional team. And, yep. I mean, that's what makes the Suns going into the season so great. They can beat you in so many different ways. It's with pace. They can beat you slow. They can beat you fast. They can beat you with defense. They can beat you with offense. They can beat you with depth. They can beat you with three-point shooting. They can beat you at the rim. They can beat you at the free-throw line. They can beat you in the mid-range. I mean, that's... That's the Phoenix. Keep Sun. going, John. Keep I'm going, John. Yeah. Like, damn, just put that in a snippet somewhere. And like, that's how the Suns can beat you. Uh, before we let you get out of here, coach, because I know you got to record another podcast here pretty soon. Do you have any questions about that? I can answer for you about the Arizona Cardinals. We talked a little uh, ASU, but I'm a Cardinals fan. Die hard. I was at the game on me too. Sunday. Yeah, me too. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, Matthew, I, I've got my excitement up here. I'm up here. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I still have Stockholm syndrome. And I'm oh, thinking, oh, yes. we're going to finish the six wins, right? That's still my mentality until they prove me otherwise. Um, going into week three against the Jaguars, is this uh-huh. a trap game? Is this a yes. trap game? 100%. 100%. Because after that, and, you know, Matthew can attest to this because I do the same thing for him for the Dallas Cowboys, is I graphically design on my phone the sun, the the uh, schedule for the um, the Cardinals. So you can I like that. Yeah, so um, after that, they have two division games. They're at the Rams, and then they play the 49ers. Mm-hmm. You have a team that is not playing well with uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's throwing picks left and right. The Cardinals, uh, they barely escaped. And I was literally probably like, 70 feet from that field goal on on uh Sunday. I saw your video from there on Twitter yeah yeah it was it was that was actually my brother took the video I couldn't stand I just sat there and watched it I thought it went I thought that he he made it I put my head down I look up and I look towards the Cardinals 
bench and everyone's going crazy. And then I grabbed my brother because he thought he missed it too. And we just started grabbing. Well, I was like, holy fucking shit, he made it. Uh, so you ha- you're coming off that emotional win. I was very, very disappointed with their defense. Very just dis- now, granted, it's Dalvin Cook. Uh, but I could tell you what the the Vikings were doing. Like, listen, they're gonna run on first down. And then you're going to stuff them. And then on second down, they're going to run it again. And you're going to be a pass defense. They're going to get 10 yards every time. Now, granted, Jacksonville isn't a team that has a primary back. James Robinson is going to be their primary guy. Their blocking obviously isn't not an Urban Meyer guy, by the way. Urban Meyer did not like him. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, he brought an ETN uh, who got injured. So they'll try to run the ball a little bit. If If the Cardinals can stuff the run a couple times and get them into passing situations, that's where they can have success. But I just, I, they're going to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. It's a classic trap game in every sense of the word. I will not bet this one. It's just e- Eastern uh, time zone, 11 a.m., but it didn't yeah. matter against the Titans. And we're we're horrible against the zone run schemes, by the way, which is why we always lose to the Niners and we always lose to the Rams. And yes. that's exactly what Minnesota did. So, yes, I, I do. I have two, I have two quick questions and then I'll get out of your hair. Matthew, I would love to have you on when we play the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's week 15 yeah. or 16. Do I'd love to get Dallas. you on. Of course it's, in Dallas. it's week 17. Oh, is it week 17? Do we have 18 weeks or 17 weeks now? I don't it's, remember. Uh, 18, eight, eight, 18, 18, 18 weeks, weeks. So it's week 17. Yeah, that would right. be the well, January we'll 2nd. You will be. I I, I, I trust yeah. Dak. I actually do like Dak. And then my yeah. only son's question I wanted to ask you guys is, last year I heard nothing on but on jazz radio that they were trying to get that number one seed. They wanted it. They were pushing for it. They wanted home court advantage throughout. Is that going to be the Phoenix Suns mindset this year? Get the one seed? Or are we just going to play and let the cards fall where they may? Oh, I definitely think a top four. Right now, I'm kind of feeling like the Suns are just, they're not good enough yet to just prepare for the playoffs you know kind of take the season lightly so they're going to definitely play hard top four for me i think that they have the mentality that they want the one seed because that's the mentality that the suns had last year you have chris paul running point for this team he wants nothing but excellence at all time he demands it of those around him and he's going to have that same thing that he had last year they could have taken some games off at the back end of the season you know the clippers were clearly tanking because they didn't want to take a shot at the suns in that second round so you know the suns could have followed suit but no they kept running everybody out there until the last two games where they rested da uh they have that mentality of listen every we're winning every game and i'd rather have a team that's that focuses their energy that way than a team's like yeah we could take a couple games off so we get a better mm-hmm. seating cuz you know what if you go into if you have that mentality you have a mentality of somebody who's willing to give up at at some point and you never know mentally when that's going to affect you in the playoffs I completely agree. Thank you so much for answering those. I really wanted your guys' opinion. You guys are great. I really enjoy your guys' podcast. I have a smaller backyard now, so I don't think I'll be doing as much yard work <laughs> listening to you guys now this year coming up. But I can't wait to keep on listening and keep doing what you're doing, boys. Fantastic. Appreciate right, it, Coach. You, Again, t- tell everybody where they can listen to you, follow you, all that fun stuff. At Coach Evan B on Twitter, at He's on Fire Pod on Twitter, He's on Fire Podcast. Just Google it. It'll come up on Anchor, uh, Google Playlist, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and YouTube. And we're going to go on live here in about 25 minutes, and we're going to talk some Arizona State football with Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils podcast and talk some Cardinal stuff. And we're going to get John on soon to talk Cardinals, too. It'll be good times. Nice. I'm stuck in a hotel room with nothing to do, so I will be in the chat annoying people. So happy to do it. <laughs> Thank you Attaboy. again for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Go Suns. Hey, man. See you, man. Take care, brother. Thank you.
Awesome having Evan on, man. Yeah, very cool, man. I I told him before the pod, I was like, it's uh, long overdue, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, You know, he was doing some work with the Valley podcast before this, and I always enjoyed uh, listening to his takes on that podcast and just, you know, his insight. He's somebody who coaches basketball. So he understands, you know, the X's and O's. And I think that, you know, it's important as we watch basketball, as much as you and I like to, you know, throw a little humor in there in our analyzations of the Phoenix Suns. We still understand, you know, what basketball is and and no, having those conversations with coach on Twitter, you know, in our DMs and stuff. It's always been a good time. So yeah, uh, you really, brought up like zone schemes and all of that. I mean, for football, but I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I was this? like, he's right. I was, I was like, what damn is it. going on? <laughs> he's talking about the zone run. I'm like, damn, I knew that. And I just forgot. Yeah. To that. So, I wish I knew um, that. Yeah. Oh no. Well, I mean, you will. The Cowboys don't run it because that's your real team. Just accept it. Monday night, brother. Monday night. Oh, we do. Tony Pollard, man, look out! And I oh, grabbed him in the big money league. I don't well, know what, how I got him. Yeah, I don't know either. Sorry. Well, I I yeah. ended up picking up other people, but no one wants to hear about our fantasy. I know. Um, so so a couple things I want to talk about before we get out of here. Yep. A lot of people have talked about this on podcasts month a month ago, but obviously we've you know had some time. We we're doing the once a week. We've been doing the jamming podcast with sabrina merchant with flex and now with coach so we haven't had a time to talk about it's just some basic shit that's been going on uh but i did want to bring up the aztec jerseys just real quick uh this came out last month these were concept jerseys provided by the phoenix suns i know every podcast has had their take on them matthew what is your take on these jerseys uh initially i kind of thought they looked like they're made of velvet right like a velvet rope yeah. that's what they kind of look like you know velvety um i do like them i think they're very unique um the only thing is i like the black but it's like can you do the black and then the black valley jerseys too i think so and i think this team really loves the black valley jerseys and they'll they'll love mm-hmm. this one as well but how true is this one to being something that's for real i think they just kind of threw it out there right to see the fans reaction it's not definite right which is very smart i feel like i love that more teams yeah. should do that amen like how many yes. times have we sat there and they'll release like the orange jersey right the orange crush jersey and it comes Ugh. out, and you're like, uh, it's okay. But let, and everyone lights it up on Twitter or on yeah. brightsideofthesun.com when we write the articles about those jerseys when they initially come out. And they give their feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. They give their feedback. And you're just kind of stuck with it. You're like, okay, well, here's my feedback. Not that it matters. And the mm-hmm. Suns actually reached out to their fan base, and they go, hey, this is something that we're thinking about. Uh, what do you think? And you got a lot of positive you got a lot of negative i wouldn't say a lot of negative you got some negative you got some people who analyze the fact that it has uh aztec on it and although they're doing their best to uh connect with the hispanic culture that uh phoenix abides and and, you know a lot of residents and a majority of the fan base uh come from aztec isn't really you know mexican it's more you know southern mexico kind of stuff geographically speaking but it is like the sun god the logo on the front uh but i just thought it was cool that they asked us what we thought and i think it's a nice looking jersey i think the one challenge i have with it is it looks almost you know if you don't see the imprint in the back it looks exactly like the uh, alternates that we had three years ago when deandre ayton was a rookie or maybe it was when josh jackson was a rookie except everything was orange instead of purple uh, i just wish there was a little bit more creativity with that with how they put the phoenix font because everything else is fire like i think it's badass there's a little orange suns logo on it so it does give it a little orange pop uh but again i think the thing to take away from this isn't necessarily like the design it's the fact that the suns are willing to put it out there for their fan base to see what they think uh we think of it so i like yeah, it i like today, it overall man, because I mean, so many people, a lot of people live on Twitter, right? Everyone gets roasted for anything they do. It doesn't matter anything. what it is. 
anything you do, you're going to get roasted. But the best way to put it out there, and it, it, you can draw up some designs. You don't have to start making them or anything, right? You just draw up some designs before the season starts. Yeah. Be like, these are what we're thinking of. Which ones do you like? Just start doing that. Start evolving. These teams need to start evolving, doing things like that. We're talking about the NFL earlier. I think next year we talked about they're actually going to have different unique uh, helmets, right? Yes, they're going to come out with that gonna, next year. Yeah, it's they're like, finally going to let teams have, have some secondary fun. helmets. Make some more money. Yeah. Make some yeah, more make money. The more you the more you make it, we're going to buy this stuff. If we like it, if we tell you we like it, we're going to end up buying it as soon as you release it. So <laughs> keep doing that. Yeah, well, it's like kind of like uh, what Blaze Megatron says in the chat. You know, one of our elite jamsters. So I'm a, a reminder to everybody, if you want to be an elite jamster, go ahead and click that yeah. join button here on YouTube or follow the link in the description. It says, I kind of like them, but I will have to wait endlessly on waiting to get to <laughs> on a waiting list to get Valley jerseys. Yes. You know, and that's the challenge. That I, I, I was thinking about it, and I, I wrote something on Bright Side of the Sun about this. I think one of the reasons why, you know, one, the Valley jerseys were fire. But two, you have to look at like how big the greater Phoenix area is alone and then how far this fan base extends. And that's the reason why these they just they didn't have a barometer on how many Valley jerseys to make because the Suns have been shit for a long time. And the last time the Suns were good, uh, the Valley, you know, has grown probably about 25 percent since then. So you take the local market combined with the accessibility of the Phoenix Suns in foreign markets and, and just any market outside of the greater Phoenix area. People wanted to buy that stuff like they didn't know. They're like, oh, shit, we can't even get material right now. And then, of course, you mm -hmm. come the pandemic and how bad it's been across the board trying to get supplies in any industry. I know my industry, uh, the food and beverage industry has been, you know, just pumped by the fact that supply chains are still trying to recover and you know valley jerseys are part of that i think yeah and honestly for me it's what i'm watching on the court i like the dudes that look good i like watching the carnival i am actually a fan of them right i'm a little bit of a fan i like to watch them i don't like what they wear all right i don't like any of their jerseys no, any me of that. Neither. Got, these teams gotta look good i know it takes forever to get your own jersey to wear that's fine as long as these players look good I didn't want the Suns to wear those orange jerseys as much as they did last year in the playoffs. I just don't think it looks good. I'm just, I'm really high on that. The uniforms, I, I think these players are in it to it too, right? They like of to course. look good on the court and they like to play good in it. And I think it helps them win. <laughs> I think it really does. And I think if they get another unique kind of uniform, it's going to boost up those, uh, that winning percentage a little bit. Well, it's, I'm it's just, not, I, you know, I just think that it goes, it goes back, you know, and this is probably a little, little too old for you probably not you probably remember this guy Deion sanders man Deion sanders changed the game. oh yeah look good Deion sanders good, it, good. yes look good look <laughs> good play it? good look good feel good play good and there you go. that's ex that's exactly how the modern player is and you know even growing up as a kid like if you went up if, if you're playing baseball and you have batting gloves and then you had like the one wristband on you know one arm or something or you know you wore wristbands yeah. like Derek jeter did or whatever whoever your your, your favorite player was growing up mine was ricky henderson as a kid i loved ricky henderson and he used to have double wristband you know a wristband on each side and i yeah. used to always wear that plane you just you know look good feel good play good and you know when it comes to jerseys and things of that nature uh again i just i think that i i feel bad for blaze megatron he's in australia so unfortunately he can't <laughs> get him you know maybe maybe we'll have to hit him, have us hit us hit, you know hit us up on twitter if we get a jersey we yeah. can ship it to you you know just for being a loyal listener of the show i really i'm dead serious on that hit me up on twitter when it comes to that uh, I do want to go into this segment real quick. Thoughts. Um, brains. 
So this is uh, where we talk about things around the NBA uh, that aren't necessarily don't don't directly affect the Suns, but could potentially. Um, Blaze Megatron, my generation was the Iverson arm sleeve. Agree with that? Yeah, look good, feel yeah. good, play good. Um, yes. But I I did want to bring up the news that came up earlier this season, or I'm sorry, this week, uh, relative to Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons yeah. officially made the announcement that he will not report to training camp with the Philadelphia 76ers, nor will he ever wear that, that jersey again in a game. This guy's got four years, a hundred plus million dollars left on his contract, and he's saying, no mas, I'm gone. Thoughts, Matthew? Well, any player can do this unless you're Kevin Love. So if you want out, you can get out. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. But for Ben Simmons, he was a trade. He was going to be traded midseason, right? They were going to get rid of him. And they were talking about him it, in the Harden trade. The season. It was before. It's basically before the season because Harden wasn't even going to show up really for Houston. I just think he he has the right of way here, and I think he's really gotten torched online. And but there's there's two sides to it, of course. So whatever this team is seeing from him, his productivity, what he's doing behind the scenes to get ready for the season, they know that there's a reason why they want to trade them. So they have the reasoning, and then Ben Simmons has his reasoning. I think he's the best player that he can be right now, and he just needs to be in a situation that can help him win, and he could be the star of that team. Uh, he thinks probably right now to a team needs to believe in him to be that mm -hmm. guy. And I love Ben Simmons. I think what he brings to the game is is great. He's a all around best defensive player in the league. He can be. He can win that award if he wants. I think at and, the guard position, yes, not in the league. Yeah, not yeah. But he was so he yeah. was so close last year to winning it, though. He was. He played out of his mind on defense. Of course, oh, yeah. some games. You know, a night off, but he was there, and he can't shoot the ball. Okay, we get it. We can't shoot the ball. Who cares? So then, we're when he, when they lose a playoff game, we're talking about, oh, he couldn't make the shots. He was passing up and all that. Well, that's the player he is, and I know he passed up on layups on that. That's the player he is. Either you're you're gonna support him, and you're gonna you're gonna tell this guy, hey, we we believe in you. Next year, we'll work on things, all this. But then. Maybe he just doesn't want to. And I think that's what they're seeing in him, that he doesn't want to, that he is a player who he is. So they're trying to move on from him. So I don't understand why it matters. If Ben Simmons wants out, they're going to trade him anyways. So why did, I mean, we can't put the pressure on him and be like, hey, Ben, like step it up, go play for your team. No, they wanted to trade him. It was everywhere. So he has the right to go somewhere else. Well, see, this is where I'll go. I'll you zigging, I'm zagging. Uh, yeah, you want him to live up to the contract that he said, and you want him to live up to the expectations, and you want him to put in the work. And yeah, he might not be the player that you want him to be, but he's still a member of the team who wants to contribute. And again, this is where the player empowerment era and the ego of the player can sometimes hurt the overall team. Because guess what? The reason they were trying to trade him last year is, is twofold. One, James Harden's a better player. Okay, he's won an MVP. He's a multiple scoring champion. Okay. So yeah, you're going to try to trade for that person. And at the same time, you got one guy on the team who you could trade his contract to make the money work. And guess who that is? Mm -hmm. It's Ben Simmons. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's Ben Simmons. So in my opinion is Ben, you know, and again, this is purely conjecture. This isn't like personal, like I think he needs to sack the fuck up and, you know, just, just play the games. You know, I don't want to sound like the old guy in the corner, but at the same time, if I'm a fan of the 76ers, that's my frustration. My frustration is like, listen, if you are going to allow a trade rumor to affect how you perform and or your commitment to this organization, 
you need to get over yourself and you need to leave. I don't want you here. And I feel like that's kind of one where the 76ers were at. And two, you know, it, it went, it, it went, that's when the back and forth started. When they interviewed Doc Rivers at the end of the season, they said, do you think that he's the starting point guard on a cha- championship caliber team? And he said, I don't know the que- the answer to that question. He didn't instill the confidence in Ben Simmons to where Ben Simmons is like, yeah, I want to go ahead and come back. I, I you know, and, and I get mm-hmm. that. I can see both sides of it. But at the same time, there's so much time left on the contract. There's so much money left on the contract. And, Ben's going to do what's best for him, and I get that. And it's going to hurt the 76ers because he's, his value has now drastically dropped for the same reasons that Ed, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Markeith Morris and all, you know, all, all the reasons that their value dropped. is Once it was apparent that they didn't want to be here, and they're literally tweeting it out, their value plummets because now you know it, that's a distressed asset. And that asset is now easier to obtain and you don't have to give up as much. And I'm not saying, well, you know, the, 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 the team should have complete and utter control in this situation, but you signed a deal. The, this team took a, took a chance with you is providing you with compensation for services rendered. You're, you're refusing to, to provide those services and now they can't even get a proper return on you. I just think it always sucks from the, the team standpoint. And I, the player empowerment era everybody wants to be an individual this that and the other but from a team standpoint you're the one who has to put the money up for people you know they're they they're gonna earn it but you're the one who has to provide that it sucks for the team and again if i'm a fan of the 76ers i'm frustrated you know i kind of am like the 76ers have been my eastern conference team for a few years they're the most least conference their team that mirrored the suns for quite some time and when they started the process it gave me hope as a son i'm like oh my god we can get out of this shithole that we're in so to see ben simmons and his attitude uh equate to this moment in their history which ultimately will be better for that team because i don't think ben simmons fits in philly i've been saying that for a long time they need a better distributor somebody who can run a high pick and roll he doesn't have the ball handling skills he's a great defender he's a fast break uh uh, playmaker and he's somebody who can dunk the ball uh, but I just think you know if you're a 76ers fan it sucks and you just want the saga to be over you know so I'll allow you to kind of respond to what I said there and then tell me if you have mm-hmm. any thoughts on where he may end up because I know there's obviously okay. uh, either a John Wall trade involved or you know a Bradley Beal trade whatever so so respond and then speculate I just I think everyone's ready to move on, and I think the the cherry on the Sunday was yes. the Harden thing. I think they were finding a way to get him out of there. There's some kind of disconnection between him and the fans and the team. I don't think the fans are really into him coming back. It's just super awkward. I think if he were to come back, it'd be such it would be like a thing like you know bringing back your significant other after they cheated on you, and like you're coming to dinner. It's like oh he he's back, but didn't he cheat on you? Like it's kind of like that. And even though he's not the one to cheat, the team did. You know it's kind of in reverse. But they and they just they didn't really cheat. It's just, it's just like they text somebody else. I know, you know? but that's, so it was maybe that's they, they, they they emotionally cheated on them, which yeah. still isn't but, right. But I get tra- it. Trades have never gone now that specific ever. I feel like to where it's like player for player, and then it barely falls through. You know what I mean? That then that player, after going what he's gone through with Philadelphia, especially losing the way they did to Toronto, they're so close to being a contender. I feel like he thought that they were, and then the trade thing—it's just—it's too much on a man and. 
I just I think that the fans are ready to move on. I think it's ready to they're ready to move on. I think Ben Simmons is a top 20 player for sure. I think you can build around him somewhere else. Where will he go? Probably Phoenix. No, I'm joking. Um, it, this is a difficult part. This is a really it's gonna be some weird team. All right, but the only thing I could think of is like, what if he ends up like in New Orleans or something like that? But I don't know what you're gonna get back from New Orleans. He just maybe Brandon Ingram. Who knows? You need yeah, something. You you could like potentially do Ingram. But he's also that huge would, too. Next, I to would like Zion. that because I, I, yeah, but I mean, he's running point then. Although he's not, you know, your I know, prototypical I know. point guard. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a very strange situation. I think it's the first it's kind of ever been like this, unless there's something back in the seventies, eighties or something I don't know about, but it's just super awkward right now, especially the way the world is right now to where you can just microscopic. Everything's so microscopic. You can just see everything going down and there's so many people around this situation to where they just need to break up. Yeah, no, well that, and that's what's happening. I mean, Ben Simmons is forcing his hand in that situation, which yeah. ultimately I think is the right move at this point because, you know, it's just, it's gotten too toxic. It's just, again, it's unfortunate to see. And I, I think of being a Suns fan and what that would be like if at some point we thought of trading or rumors got out that we're thinking of trading Mikhail Bridges, if he was making, yeah. you know, if, if, if we extend him this year to a hundred million dollar contract over four years, and then there was a rumor that we were thinking about trading him for, somebody who's essentially a better player, you know, and that's what happened. And then Mikhail is just like, I'm out of here. You know, it just, it sucks. And they, you know, that's the business of the game. Um, ben Simmons is a top 20 player. Yeah, I think so think. for sure. He, he was well, defensively, almost defensive player of the year. He is a great distributor. Yeah. I think he's a really great playmaker. Def- he's everything you want in a point guard. He's fucking huge too. He just he can't, can't run the pick and roll. Yeah. But I mean, everyone has their weaknesses like Luka Doncic. Like, fuck that guy. Like, he shoots so, <laughs> from so far away, he costs his team. Who's going to want to play with that guy? You know, there's always a lot of weaknesses in these stars. And it's just this guy, everyone is just so into how much he can't shoot and all that, that it just drowns out all the other stars. And all, but they can't do on the floor. Well, I can't wait to, once this podcast is done, uh, snip that piece right there where you're like, Luka Doncic, fuck that guy. <laughs> that's going <laughs> to that's that's be my ringtone for you. <sighs> Every time, every time you call me, because you call me all the time, yeah, uh, it'll be like, look at Doncic, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> no, it's it's an interesting conversation, and obviously that's kind of the big story going on in the NBA right now. Uh, we're counting down, obviously, to training camp and a week from Sunday when the first preseason game for the Phoenix Suns begins. I just I love that because it means it's October. Uh, oh, you know, it's you know, nice yeah, it's it's, it's getting it's I, cooling down a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm up in Reno, like I said, and it's just it's it's beautiful it. up here. It's beautiful. Going to the drive-in yeah. with your honey? driving to my, dri- <laughs> driving my <laughs> white minivan around. Oh man, it's just hysterical. It's just you know, I've been over the past few weeks, I've been you know getting rental cars, flying to different places and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I think I'll be in Reno again next week, but when you're in Vegas, every car smells like weed here. They give you minivans. Like, I can't wait to see what Boston is like. like I'll be in Boston in a couple somewhere? weeks. Probably. Like, like if I get pulled over, they'll, they'll be like, sir, is this yours? I'm like, you planned to that. I'm like, no, I didn't <laughs> like cocaine and apple juice, baby. But it's probably a but, dead hooker too. Somewhere stuff in there. So. <laughs> well, here's a minivan. I haven't checked the back yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But looking at it, uh, the Suns' first preseason game, Monday, October 4th, 7 p.m., which means we will be live after that game. Because we're doing the preseason games too, right, Matthew? Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get ready. We're, the number one uh, post-game show on Planet Orange will be back. 
Yes, that's a tagline. What's interesting about that game? So that game ends at what, like about nine twenty-five our time plus three. It'll be twelve twenty-five Boston time. That's where I'll be for that podcast. You'll be in Boston. Oh yeah, I'll be in I Boston that there. week. Yeah. So I'm all right. Well, we can, we can always reschedule. Nope. If you want. Nope. nope. All right. I live right. for this shit. We'll so, be live. So in Boston, and, Beantown. Bean Town, baby. So I think on that note, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. Whether you're watching along live on the YouTube channel or if you are listening wherever you get your podcasts, if that happens to be on an Apple podcast, please give us a five star review. Get, click five stars, write a little review. We'll read it here on the podcast. Truly appreciate that. Thank you to Evan, coach, at Coach Evan B, for joining us earlier in the pod. Make sure you go check out everything he's doing on the He's On on fire podcast you can follow me at darth voida you can follow matthew at matthew lissy sorry for the sigh <laughs> you know what matthew I don't know what that was terrible take a lap take a <laughs> lap after that sigh you knew it was coming you ah, knew it was coming. no it was an accident and make sure Sorry. you follow the show at sun's jam on twitter we like to throw questions out there you can answer them uh that's how questions and answers work. And then we'll actually read some of them on the show, especially when we do like the ask us anything segments. Uh, but we're really looking forward to going live and seeing all the jamsters again so much once the preseason begins, because we do all of our post game shows right after the show. So tune in then uh, until then we'll see you next Wednesday, same time, 8 PM Arizona time, same channel ours uh, until then have a good night. Stay classy Reno. Yeah, just really quick, one more answer to a question. Nicholas Blackison, can Simmons guard Giannis? No one can guard Giannis. And on that note, everyone go home and love your family. (laughs) That's the correct answer.